Praise God. All right. <laughs> Welcome. He is risen. It's good to see everybody. I hope you had a good um, spring break. How many of you went somewhere and did something really cool? Oh, yeah, I see. You're, you're tan. I'm not. <laughs> but it's so good to be back. And ex- what a way to start. Amen? I love it. Thank you, worship team. That was just amazing, amazing worship. But welcome to Impact. You know, Impact is where we want to have God impact our lives so we can be an impact in our world. And um, ladies, I know this is just a special time to connect with one another, and we're just excited that you're all here this morning. Hey, do we have any first-time visitors? Looking across the landscape here. Not this morning. Well, actually, am I missing somebody? Okay, right here. Welcome. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. Let's give her a hand. All right. Well, it's good good to see everybody here this morning, and we're especially glad to see first-time visitors. You know, God just has um, instituted giving. Isn't it amazing that giving was God's idea? But it's because it's who he is. He is a giver himself. And I like to say, you know, we love him because he first loved us. He loved first. He gave first. And, you know, you've heard probably a lot of sermons about tithing. Um, And I heard something the other day. It just kind of woke me up again. And he said, you know, giving was God's idea. But it's not because he's poor or he ran out of gold to pave the streets, or he needs one more sapphire to put in the gate. You know, he, he's not lacking anything, and that's not why we give. But we give because he first gave. And we give out of love. And everything needs to be motivated by love because that's the way God operates too. So as you give this morning, you know, we just give uh, because God gave it to us first. He gave us his only son. And just out of gratitude and thanksgiving, we give back to him. Let's just pray over this offering as you give this morning. Father God, I just thank you. We could never give enough, but Father, we give this morning because we love you and thank you. This is just a small token of our love for you here this morning. And we thank you that you will use it and bless it, multiply it for the kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, actually, um, we do have a first-time visitor here, and I'd like to introduce to you the new administrative assistant to women's ministry, Res Life Women's Ministry, as she comes. Um, as you know, we said goodbye and sent uh, Trisha off to a new ministry uh, about a month ago now, and so I'd like to introduce to you Rachel Brower. She's the new assistant, so just welcome her. Want to say a few words? <laughs> Rachel has actually been um, overseeing the Monday night um, Bible study. So how many of you know Rachel from um, the studies? Yeah, she's a great gal. Um, And, um, you know, we prayed about a good fit. Um, I've known Rachel for quite some time now, and I know her to be nothing um, less than just a woman of integrity. She already loves women's ministry. But this is her first time at Thursday Morning Impact because she's always had another job. So you are an official first-time visitor, but you're only a visitor once and now you're one of us. So I just have her just introduce herself a little bit. Good morning. <laughs> no, just, okay. Good morning, ladies. We'll get you. Um, this is amazing. 
the spirit of God that's in this place this morning. Oh, I love this. This is amazing. I just want to say thank you. Um, I am so excited to be a part of this ministry, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what God's going to do. And so I hope to meet all of you and just to get to know you so we can build some relationships. And I'm here if you need me. So thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. Awesome. All right. She's been thrown right into the mix just weeks before the Priceless Conference, and so she's doing a great job keeping her head above water. I just want to bring to your attention, um, we just started doing this. If you wouldn't mind signing in at your tables, we just have a, a blank sheet there for you. We just want to make sure that um, we, we know that you're doing well. Um, if we don't see you for a little while, you might get a little phone call and say, hey, is there anything we can pray for you about? How are you doing? Uh, we miss you. So go ahead and uh, let's, we're trying to get into a habit of just signing in at your tables there. All right. Um, we've got uh, our Loving Well series that we're starting today. And um, Loving Well was a theme that we actually started with in the fall. So we're going to pick up on that where we're learning to love ourselves well, learning to love God well, and learning to love others well. What does the Bible say about that? You know, what are we, what's our love walk looking like? How do we talk about love? And so we're going to be um, going into that in more depth in the next two weeks after today. And next week, April 20, is Dan Seaborn. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, we missed out on him when we had to cancel because of snow, which was such a bummer back in January. But he's back with us tomorrow. Uh, I'm sorry, next Thursday. And the week after is Sandy Ralia. And she always brings us a beautiful message. Um, and um, and the May 4 is Alanka Deaton. Don't miss that. She's going to come with a song. Um, she'll have her CDs here. She's written a book. And she's a very gifted uh, minister of the word as well. And we haven't talked to him enough about this. May 11 is her last day. <laughs> I can't believe it. We're actually ending a little bit earlier this year because the following Friday is our conference. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, May 11, we're going to do something a little different. In the past, we've done like a, a fun kind of testimonial um, breakfast, but um, you can come hungry, but we're not going to serve breakfast. We're going to serve lunch, and we're doing something in um, cooperation and conjunction with the homeschool uh, program. It's going to be a church-wide, we're calling it end-of-year carnival, and I know it's, most of your kids are in school, but I, I'm sorry because these kids are going to have a blast. Deb Lynch is going to be out. Um, it's going to be an outdoor picnic, and we've invited Farmer John in, and he gives an amazing show. I saw him at a street show in Muskegon uh, a year ago, and he so funny you will enjoy him as well and, and as well as well the kids but we're going to have just an outdoor picnic we'll meet in here first have praise and worship have a short time of, of fun together in here and at 11 o'clock we'll be excused go get your kids and stay for lunch we're serving hot dog burgers picnic style and it's going to be an end of, of the year um, of our season here um, celebration together okay so just plan on it it's going to be a, a great uh, great morning but um, pray for good weather you know how May is. It can be kind of iffy. All right. Uh, let's see. Okay. I'd like to show you a really awesome video about our priceless conference. Go ahead.
She is prized. She is treasured. She is cherished. She is priceless. That's who you are. And this conference coming up May 19 and 20 is to help all of us to receive that kind of significance, that kind of identity in who God says you are. He looks at you and he says, I love you and honor you. You are priceless to me. And we're going to have an amazing time with Sheila Walsh, Hannah Ouellette, and Dan Seaborn. It's a Friday night, Saturday. Um, kept the cost low to hopefully get as many people to come as possible. And I know that sometimes when you host a large conference like this, you'd rather go somewhere and spend the night, you know, because that's kind of the whole experience. So I'm just going to say, go somewhere and spend the night. Get a couple girlfriends together and go get a hotel room and don't go home after Friday night and get the full priceless experience, right? Why not? Um, I'd fly to Dallas for this. I've gone to women's conferences, and I really believe that God has put this together. Um, it's been 10 years since we've done one here. It's time. But you know what? I want to see as many of our girls come and bring one or two or ten more people with you, okay? We actually have registration every week um, right here. You can register online, but we've got a laptop back there. Or if you want to pay by check, we've got paper um, applications back there. But um, don't wait. Get registered. It's going to be an amazing, amazing time. So um, that's my shameless plug. I'm so excited about it. All right. Well, I get to introduce myself because <laughs> we're going to get started this morning about loving well. But I have to tell you, my husband and I started a, a detox cleanse this week. Anybody ever done one of those? Okay. I'm so, I'm so done. We're going to be done tomorrow. I don't want to look, look another blueberry in the eye. I'm all blueberried out. But um, it's a detox. So you're looking at a detox decaffeinated version of myself this morning. I did not think that I was um, hooked on coffee, but I was. It took me two days to get off of the headache and, and, and feeling like I, I'm so tired I need a cup of coffee. So I'm better now, and, um, and it's good. I feel a little calmer. I hadn't met that person for a while, so it's good, it's good, it's all good. So <laughs> if I start talking a little slower, if I get a little tired, you might know why. I haven't had coffee in several days. But anyway, um, so let the teaching begin. Uh, this is a funny story. My granddaughter um, just turned four, our oldest granddaughter. We have seven grandkids all together, and she does nothing but sing. I mean, and, and I mean, it's like a grand show, and her favorite thing to sing is, Jesus loves everybody, and so she's just always singing. So we got her a karaoke machine with two microphones because she has a little brother. So apparently, she's been having a lot of fun with her, her karaoke machine, and she doesn't really sing um, you know, to a CD or anything. I don't think she quite understands that she can do that yet. She just sings her own songs. And so apparently she was outside playing and um, my daughter-in-law called her in for lunch. She took a few bites of her sandwich and she, she said, wait a minute, mom, I'll be right back. And so she ran to her room where her karaoke machine was, picked up the microphone and said, ladies and gentlemen, I have been playing outside, but now I have to eat a sandwich. So I'm sorry, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Let the show not begin put the microphone down, and went back and finished her lunch. <laughs> I 
just thought that was so cute. I'm glad you did too, because I think everything they do is cute. I didn't know if you would think that it was cute. But I can say, let the teaching now begin. All right, let's go to it. So let me just ask you a question. How's your love life? And you can say none of your business if you want to. But really, how's your love walk and how's your love talk? Taking a little inventory, are we loving well? And what does it mean to, look, uh, to love well? What does it look like to love well? And it's going to look a lot of different ways, isn't it? Because without relationships in our lives, our lives would be very empty. But sometimes it's those very relationships that we so desperately need that sometimes cause us the most frustration or even maybe sometimes the most hurt. But I want to talk today about how important is love to God. And honestly, we cannot even begin to talk about love. I mean, if we really want to get a definition of what love looks like, how God sees love in our lives, I think we just absolutely have to start with 1 Corinthians 13, which is more commonly called the what? The love chapter, absolutely. So we're going to read um, out of the Amplified. And we'll start with... Uh, the first eight verses, and it says, If I can speak in the tongues of men and even of angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intentional spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love for us and in us, okay, amplified, <laughs> I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, isn't that interesting? That even doing something as amazing and spiritual as speaking in the tongue, in tongues of men and angel, it, to God, it just sounds like a noisy gong if it's not motivated in love. And that makes me a ding-dong if I don't do it out of love, right? So if I stand in front of you today with a motivation of just showing off, you know, I'm such a great communicator or whatever, and if that's my motivation, this is telling me, you're just a noisy gong, you're a clanging cymbal, you're a ding-dong, just sit down. In God's eyes, that's not what he's looking for. The next couple of verses, and if I have prophetic powers, wow, the Bible says earnestly desire spiritual gifts, that's a good thing, to have prophetic powers, the gift of interpret interpreting, oh, maybe I do need a cup of coffee. Okay, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge. Those are all amazing things that I would like to have. And if I have sufficient faith so that I can even remove mountains, but have not love, God's love in me, I am nothing. And it says, a useless nobody. It doesn't add value in the kingdom of God unless it's motivated and driven by love. A useless nobody. Verse 3 says, even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned, which would be the ultimate sacrifice, right? Or in order that I may glory... But, don't, but have not the love, God's love in me, there is no gain. I gain nothing. It's like, come on now. Really, if I do all those things, but I do it for my own attention getting, my own um, 
to add, thinking that it adds value to who I am, and I don't find that my total value, my sum total of who I am needs to come from my Heavenly Father, it doesn't amount to anything. Well, verse 13 says, and now there remain faith, abiding trust in God, hope, a confident expectation of eternal salvation, and love. An unselfish love for others, growing out of God's love for me. And then it says, these three, they're all awesome, they're all important, but the greatest of these is love. God is all about love. There's nothing that God does not do that is for his own good, for his own well-being. It's all about love for you. Is that not amazing? Because you know what? We can't impress God by what we do. Are we to do things? Yes, do them. But say, God, help me to do this motivated by your love. And I like that phrase at the very beginning that says that it's inspired by God's love for us and in us. So now we can say, God, I want to live my life so that it's not about me but it's all about you. I do it out of love for you and I do it out of my love. Well, I do what I do out of my love for you and out of my love for God. But you know, honestly, you don't have to like me in order for me to do what God's called me to do. I hope you do. <laughs> but if I do things for the purpose of trying to please man, try to please people, then I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal and a ding-dong. And I, I don't want to be that. And so in the process of the calling that I feel that God has on my life, I have watched him just continually cleanse that thing. You know, it's really hard not to be self-conscious sometimes. Apparently, the number one fear that people have is um, public speaking. So here I am, trying not to be self-conscious, trying to only be motivated single-mindedly on love and being motivated by that, doing the very thing that most people are scared to death to do. <laughs> so there's a lot of things to get past. And I can just tell you I'm a work in progress, okay? But I'm thankful that he has continually brought me down that path. He says, he always reminds me, do it out of love, God for God and for the ladies. And that's how I got over nervousness. Oh my goodness, I had a huge problem with nervousness, even though it seemed like I always ended up in front of people. I mean, all my life it seemed like I was the one that was, you know, given the microphone or I used to sing in church. I used to play my flute a lot in church. And I, I would just about melt in front of people. Even though I felt called to do it, it was very difficult for me to do it without being nervous until I realized that I had to get my eyes off myself and do it because God gave me a message. God gave me something to share. And he says, you're only the messenger. Just love them. So don't shoot the messenger. I'm just a messenger. But it helped me get past myself so I can do what God's called me to do and to look into that love that he motivates me. And it just comes from getting to know who he is. And let me just say this. You don't need more love. 
We need to learn how to live from the love that we already have. Because if Christ lives in you, how much more love is there? He is love, is he not? And sometimes we, we like to say, well, I just need more of the fruit of the Spirit. We know what those are, so let's just say them. It says love. Oh, wait a minute. Why is love the first one? Well, didn't 1 Corinthians 13 say the greatest of these is love? So here, here Paul's telling us about the fruit that comes with the Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside of us. And the very first one mentioned is love. That is not by accident, is it? And that love, it says, is an unselfish concern for others. We're going to hear that word a lot. Reading out of the Amplified, when we talk about how we are to dwell with one another in peace and unity, the word unselfishness comes up all the time. Somebody, somebody make us a, a mark, a tick mark, and at the end of my message, tell me how many times we read about the word unselfishness. So this love that comes from the fruit of the Spirit living inside of us is an unselfish concern for others. The next one is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It says, against such things there is no law. Now, you may have heard this teaching before, but I think it's really, it's, it's worth noting. When we look at this, I don't have that up there, do I? Oops, okay. The Bible does not say fruits of the Spirit, and yet it lists several wonderful attributes and character um, qualities. But it says the fruit of the Spirit. You know what? You don't need more love. You don't need more patience. You don't need more kindness. You don't need more self-control. I know you think you do. <laughs> but everything in that scripture is wrapped up in one big giant fruit and you got it all. And you didn't get a little bit of one and a lot of another. You have it all. But it's living in your spirit, girl. And if you remember back in, uh, I believe it was October, we did a series on walking in the spirit. And we spent a lot of time talking about that we are a three-part being. You are a spirit. You have a mind. And you live in a body. So there's three parts of us. And that's where Paul says that, that there's a war going on inside. Because your reborn spirit girl is all in, 100% um, hot in pursuit of God. And loves God with all her heart. There's no sin there. There's no desire for sin there. She's reborn. She has the same nature as Jesus. You know, when he comes to live in your heart, he brings all of who he is. And and you get all of the fruit of the Spirit along with that because there is no reborn um, experience without the Holy Spirit. So guess what? You have all the love that you need, all the joy that you need, all the peace, all the patience, all the kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So why am I still having some problems? Good question. Because we still have a mind and we still have a flesh body that did not get saved, unfortunately. And so your mind is at war, and I really believe that the mind is the key because the Bible says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You know, the most important experience for every living, breathing human being is to get born again. Would you not agree? 
It determines your eternal destiny. The most important thing for anyone. But I believe the most important thing for a born-again Christian to do is to get their mind renewed. Because when your mind begins to think the thoughts and line up with the word of God, now your, your mind and your spirit are in agreement instead of at war with one another. And, you're, and it's two against one. Your body has to follow suit. So it's, here's the problem. But we oftentimes live out of our soul. Did I say that? Your mind, will, and emotions are actually called your soul. So here's an example. For years, I struggled with a spirit of fear. And I just thought, that's just the way I was. Probably had a lot to do with my nervousness, all right? And yet, you know, God was putting me in positions, you know, where I had to just walk through it, and it was difficult sometimes. But it escalated to the point where I was really felt like the devil at times would hijack my mind, and he would fill it with horrific pictures of just things that would be just so gruesome that I wouldn't even want to talk about happening to my children. And I, be, I got very fearful about um, the safety of my children. And so through a series of things that happened, God got my attention, and I realized that I had been living out of my soulish realm, and my, my mind was, I had surrendered it to whatever the devil wanted to fill with it, I didn't resist him. And therefore, I wasn't really submitted to God. So if I tried to resist it, you know, he didn't have to flee until I took authority and realized I forgot who I was. I'm born again. And my spirit girl, she knows the word of God is, has authority and power. And so it's like you have to step into who you really are and begin to get your mind renewed. I began reading every scripture there was about, about fear, that no weapon formed against me can prosper, that, that um, safety dwells within our gates, and that if, if the Lord is not watching over the city, um, the watchman watch in vain. And so I knew that God was posted at the doors of our home. And that if, if there were an intruder, I believed that the angel of the Lord would come and just scare him away. You know, I began to build my faith in that, wash my mind, renew my mind. And now I got my mind in line with what my spirit girl already knew. And now I can be an overcomer in that area. So that's how we can tap into your spirit who already has all the love that you need. You don't need more love. We need to learn to live out of the love that we already have because the love of God is already in you. So body, soul, and spirit. Let's go to the second PowerPoint here. This is more of 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love... This is a description of what love does. It's awesome. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Hmm, where is that coming from? The fruit of the Spirit, right? Okay. Love is never envious, nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It does not rejoice at injustice. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped a verse, right? It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude or unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. 
For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Amen. What all I can say is, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. And I hope that as we read that, that you weren't starting to shrink in your seat and going, oh, I'm so convicted. I feel terrible about myself because I don't do all those things. Don't do that, all right? Because this is not about condemnation. But let's, let's learn how we can tap into that. Because if God lives inside of us, and he does if we're born again, we are empowered through his love in us to live just like that. Recently, I had an opportunity to be offended. Have you ever had an opportunity to be offended? Okay, like every day, right? Yep. And I always say, you can be Velcro and let everything stick to you. Or you can be, what's the newest nonstick stuff? Ceramic, right? And just let it slide off. Right, we've talked about that before. But I had an opportunity to be offended. And I heard that somebody said that they heard that somebody said, you know, that's a terrible way to receive information, okay? Because it gets so construed and somebody keeps adding their little two cents to it that you don't even know if it really happened by the time it gets to you. You know, like that telephone game when you were a kid, you know, by the time the message gets through every person, it's just a totally different message. But you know what? I kept trying to believe the best of this person. I kept trying not to be touchy or fretful or resentful. Oh boy, there's a big one. And I wanted to forgive. I wanted to get past it. But it's, it was like the first thing on my mind when I woke up in the morning. In the middle of the night, I'd wake up. There it was. And I'd go through those emotions over and over. I kept trying not to keep a record of wrongs. But it, I just couldn't get past it. I'll tell you what, it was getting exhausting. You know, it's, it's designed, that, that offense is designed to sap you of your energy, to sap you of your strength, and to completely distract you from what God is calling you to do. It became kind of a, a focus. It was like right here all the time. You know, and this person did something that they shouldn't have done. So I'm not excusing what was done, but I, instead of saying, it's not fair. She shouldn't have said that. Why did she do that? Wah. Instead of being offended, I finally, I just came, and that was operating on my soulish realm, let me just say. That spirit girl was saying, come on, you know better than that. Come on, let's, let's just walk through this. You're going to be fine. What people say about you have, has nothing to do with your calling. You know who you are in Christ. You just keep on living for God. God's going to get you through this. God will speak to her. God will speak to you. No, it said it was, I'm offended. I have a right to be offended. And I spent a lot of emotional energy for a few days until it was like on the way to church. I'm going, God, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I'm so done, but I don't know how to get past it, is really what I was saying. Sweet Holy Spirit, he just said to me, hmm, I just sensed his smile. He wasn't mad at me. He wasn't disappointed in me. He just said, Karen, he said, the reason you can't get past it is because you're wounded. And until you let me heal that wound, 
you're not going to get past it. So I was trying to do the surface, kind of like putting a Band-Aid on the problem. And the real problem was I was really hurt. I was hurt by it. And I didn't really recognize her because it kind of felt more like anger and resentment. But it was really a wound. And that wound kind of kept festering. And so very quickly, I just simply responded. And I said, God, <laughs> thank you. It, it so resonated. It, I mean, it was like, yes, we're back. Because this other place that I had been in for a couple of days was just awful. It really was. I didn't like being there. And so now, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I just said, God, here's my pain. She didn't do me right. But I'm going to choose to believe the best about her. And it's a choice. It's a choice. And I'm going to pray for her. <laughs> There's a test of your love. Not God, go get her. No, not that kind of a prayer. God, bless her. Bless her. It's not about revenge, ladies. It's about redemption. And see, here's, here's the thing that we need to understand about forgiveness. Because when I really forgave her, it didn't hurt anymore. And now if I see her, I'm fine. I'm fine. She doesn't even know I knew what happened. And I don't need to tell her because I'm okay. And I think she's okay too. And you know what? It's not my responsibility what God wants to say to her. And so what I do, um, I think of it this way. I had her on my hook. Doggone it. She was wrong. She should never have done that. You hurt me. You know, I could have actually been revengeful and sought revenge. But when we allow our spirit to speak louder than our soul that has a mind and the will and the emotions that don't always line up with the word of God, you know what happens? We need to take that person off of our hook and put them on God's. Say, God, they're your responsibility. I'm accountable to you for my response, not for theirs. They're accountable to you. And when you put them on God's hook, you know what? He's going to love them, show, him, show them his goodness, and, it's, and Romans 2, 4 says, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Repentance is a change in our mind, which results in a change in our heart. And so he's going to redeem them. He's not looking for revenge, but he'll, he'll heal your heart so you can move on and you don't have to walk in offense. And there's a proverb, it's like, doggone it, why is that proverb there? It says, Proverbs 19.11 teaches, a person's wisdom yields patience, and it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Do you know that you can just simply overlook it and not make an issue out of every little thing? The longer my husband and I are married, I think that's one of the things that I begin to see in our, in our marriage, that I used to make a pretty big deal out of everything. We had to talk everything through every single time. And you know how men are. After a while, it's just blah, 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 blah. They don't even hear you anymore. Because sometimes you have to calculate and say, God, is this worth it? Or do I need to overlook it? And you don't have to settle everything by talking it out. How about praying it out? And in more, more than one time in our 30, almost seven years of marriage, I didn't say a word. Whoop. I agree. <laughs> I love my husband. He's, he's my David. When I was asking God if I were to marry him or not, God said, he is a man after my own heart, and you will enjoy life with him, and we have. 
So, but you know, every perfect marriage has imperfect days, you know how that goes. So we've learned to fight fair <laughs> and that not everything needs to be brought, you know, to the forefront. And sometimes if I get my feelings hurt, sometimes it's just, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. And to, uh, and, and to believe the best in him. Because actually, guys, you, girls, you do understand. And my husband tells me this all the time. He says, Karen, you just have to understand, men are very simple. He said, most of the time, we just don't get it. That's what he tells me. And he says, you think we know how you're feeling. And we don't. He said, so don't act like, well, you should have known that I was offended. You should have known that that hurt my feelings. He says, we don't. We don't even know it. <laughs> so that was the first thing I had to realize is that if I felt like it was worth talking about, I'm not going to just give him the cold shoulder and, hmm, well, he should know. He doesn't. And so if you want to, if you need to work things out, um, first of all, believe the best about that person. They probably didn't mean it the way it hurts you. And that's what we found in our marriage that has helped us a lot to get through some of that. You know, the Bible says to do good to those who hurt you. That is just the opposite of what your soul wants to do because after all, we want them to hurt just as much as they hurt us. But listen to Ephesians 5, 13 through 15. It says, but through love, serve and seek the best for one another. For the whole law concerning human relationships is fulfilled in one precept. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, you shall have an unselfish concern for others and do things for their benefit. Wow! Love has an unselfish concern for others and wants to do things for their benefit. But listen to this. It says, but if you bite and devour one another in bickering and strife, watch out. Watch out that you, along with your entire fellowship, are not consumed by one another. Ladies, let's live in peace with one another. Sometimes we really just need to overlook some things and let offenses go. Don't, don't be my, like my silly little song. It says, picking up offenses, put them in my pocket, wearing my emotions on my shirt sleeve. Every time I turn around, I get my feelings hurt. I'm a walking time bomb. You're about ready to explode because you're walking around with all this resentment. It's not worth it. Can I just say... If we bite and devour one another in bickering and strife, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. We are not called to consume one another. So make restoration the goal. Restoration of relationship, restoration of love, doing it God's way. Doing it God's way. So 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us unselfishly dick love and seek the best for one another. That's what love is. It's so unselfish and it seeks the best for another. For love is from God and everyone who loves others is born of God and knows God through personal experience. We have the ability to love the same way God loves. We do if we'll get out of the way and tap into that spirit of love that already lives in you. It's the same love that God has. The one who does not love has not become acquainted with God. Does not, and it actually says never did know him. For God is love. God does not only love us, he is love. It's, it's who he is. And you can't separate God from love. 
And then he tells us that we will never be separated from his love. You can't do enough bad things for him to stop loving you. In fact, he loves you 100%. So how can you improve on 100%? He loves you right now, just the way you are. Right now, you can't, you can't do something better to make him love you better. You can't, because he already loves you 100%. And he always has, and he always will. And he will never, ever withdraw that love from us. He is the originator of love, and it is an enduring attribute of his nature, is what 1 John 4 says. And by this, the love of God was displayed in us. You see that? The love of God is in us. You have the ability to love because you have God's love in you. It is displayed in us in that God has sent his one and only begotten son, the one who is truly unique and the only one of his kind into the world so that we might live through him. Let the love of God flow from you. When you don't feel like loving, that's your soul talking to you. Say, come on, soul. Come on, we're gonna do it God's way. I know what God's word says. And if I hang on to this unforgiveness, if I hang on to this resentment, if I have a grudge, it only divides and destroys. And the Satan is going, yay, my plan worked. But that's not God's way, is it? That's not God's plan for you. You will never fully know who you are until you fully know who Jesus is in you. And that's the real you. God is love, and he lives in you. To know God is to know love, and to know him, I like to say, is to love him. If we really, really know who he is, you will fall in love over and over and over again with him. What a great way to live our lives, ladies. Discovering just the, the height, the depth, the width, and the, and the length of his love that we'll never, never get to the end of. Let's reread 1 Corinthians 13 together. We're going to put it up here on the PowerPoint. We just got done talking about how you are empowered because Christ lives in you. You have all the love that you need to walk a love walk and, and speak the love talk in our lives. So we're going to make 1 Corinthians 13 a confession and you might say, I can't say that. That's not true of me. Oh, it's, it is true of you. It's true of you. You have to get your mind, your will, and your emotions to line up with it because all these things are already resident in you and God gives you the ability to live just like this. So this is, this is about you. So introduce yourself to yourself as we read this together, all right? It says, if I can speak in the tongues of men and even of angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love for and in us, I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, God's love in me, I am nothing, a useless nobody. Even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned or in order that I may glory, but have not love, 
God's love in me, I gain nothing. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. I, I think we're going to be done there. <laughs> because the I is to help us recognize what we have already deposited in who we are because of Jesus Christ. These are the, the things that God will bear us up and to continually bring us to that point where we can live motivated by love, not motivated by um, anything that would point to ourselves, but rather that it all be for his glory. I bear up under anything and everything that comes. I am ever ready to believe the best of every person. My hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. That's who we are. That's what God has put in us. Praise God, we have some time. What I'd really like to do right now is take about 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and um, looks to me like we're at tables pretty well distributed here, but I'd like you to just spend some time talking together and sharing together. Um, we're going to go ahead and put up a slide so you can see, yes, the first, uh, the verses that we've been talking about. So talk and, and just share, if you will, about what of this message today has really impacted you and what has God shown you about love? That you're, what's your takeaway today? And if, if you want to share, maybe share a story of, of someone, you know, that you had to walk through forgiveness and how God led you through that. Or maybe how someone showed unconditional love to you to restore a relationship. Ladies, relationships are so important. They're so important, but they take work, don't they? And they take commitment to do it God's way and not to allow any division not to allow any resentment to build. And this is not just with husbands, it's with children, it's with friends, it's with in-laws, outlaws, you know, everybody in our lives that we want to walk in a spirit of love. And you know, scripture that comes to mind is, by this they will know that you are mine, that you love one another. Jesus said that. He said, a sure sign that you belong to me and I'm living in you is that you will love one another. So let's go ahead and take the next 15 minutes or so and introduce yourselves at your table. This is kind of, um, kind of uh, 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 informal, all right? And just have a good time uh, sharing with one another. You guys want to jump over here? <laughs> <laughs>